Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Christian and Alex Giebert. Today's moment is Fugue 23 from Book 2 of the Well-Tempered Clavier. Johann Sebastian Bach's manner of managing the clavier was admired by all those who had the good fortune to hear him. So begins the chapter on Bach the clavier player from the biography on Bach, written by the first biographist of Bach, Johann Forkel. A fascinating figure and really the first German music historian of that era. He was born in 1749. And if you know your Bach dates, that's one year before Bach died. Never having gotten to know Bach personally, Forkel still learned a lot about Bach through getting to know his sons really well and asking them a lot about their father's life and work. And it's in this way that we found through Forkel the specifics of Bach's clavier or keyboard technique. Everybody already knew that Bach was an amazing keyboardist. Organ, clavichord, harpsichord, whatever, and we also know that he preferred the clavichord for his own personal study, which is like a smaller version of a harpsichord. I mean, that's a simplification, but that's what it is. But from Forkel through Bach's sons, we get a lot more detail on how Bach played this instrument. And we get to know Bach the innovator of technique, as well as Bach the composer and performer. All performers bring their own personality to the instrument. The version that we get here from the Netherlands Bach Society, this performance of the Well-Tempered Clavier, book two, is done by Christine Schornsheim. And just like any performance of this, she brings her own particular style to it. It's a great quote from Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma said, you get someone's value system by listening to how they perform a certain piece of music. The notes they choose to hang on to, the notes they choose to wait on, the way that they handle the tempo, you hear what they prioritize in the music, it gives you a sense of who they are as a person. I think that's very interesting, and I, I'm not sure I agree with that 100%, but also, like, he's probably smarter than me. Uh, he's certainly one of the premier cellists, of course, of all time, and the other thing about that is that he's got a lot of deep insights about music, too. So I'm going to trust him on this, and I'm going to say my only hesitation with that that quote is that I think you don't really get to know a person, the non-musical side of a person, as much by listening to the music. But I suppose some does come out of there, and from any performance. So what Forkel says in his biography I think is interesting, because when he talks about technique, he says that 10 equally skillful and practiced performers will produce under the hand of each a different effect when you're playing the same piece. And Yo-Yo Ma talks about how he's played the Bach cello suites and recorded them multiple times over his life. He was a different person each time. It's a different phase of life. So he does them a little bit differently, even though he is known for being a very consistent performer. Still, he's a different person a decade later, of course. And for Forkel, the touch on the instrument was of utmost importance, and he wanted to make sure he got Johann Sebastian Bach's specifics on how to 
get the technique just right, to get distinctness of tone. And the reason for that is because of the style, especially the fugal style. Which brings us to our piece today. One of the compilation of fugues here in the Well-Tempered Clavier Book 2. One that starts fairly simply as far as these fugues go with some long notes, but soon evolves into something a little bit more rhythmically complex with some suspensions across bar lines and across the middle of bars that make what Forkel says here really need to count. Forkel says, the mode of touching the instrument, which in playing on the clavier is the same thing as the pronunciation in speech. In order to make the delivery perfect in playing as well as speaking or declaiming, the greatest distinctness is required in the production of the tones, as in the pronunciation of the words. So then he goes on to say, but this distinctness is susceptible of very various degrees. Even in the lowest degrees, we can understand what is played or said, but it excites no pleasure in the hearer because this degree of distinctness compels him to some exertion of his attention. But attention to single tones or words ought to be rendered unnecessary that the hearer may direct it to the ideas and their connection. For this we require the highest degree of distinctness in the production of single tones, as in the pronunciation of single words. So get your point across, right? Declamatory style. A and make it clear, but don't miss the forest for the trees either. You've got to make the whole point. You've got to get the whole affect across. You can't just be playing each note separately. Some play too staccato, he mentions. Some play too connected, connecting the notes too much so that you can't really even hear the new note come in without the old note sticking around for too long. He says the middle path is best. He got that quote from Bach's son, Carl Philipp Emanuel. Then he laments to say that Carl Philipp Emanuel should have expounded more on this and talked about his father's technique. So I will go ahead and do so, he says. And then he lays out a, a huge treatise about it, which I will not read right now because it's a little dry. But suffice it to say that Forkel is like really interested in making sure that this technique lives on because Bach was that good at it. Do you think, Alex, that there is a direct connection between this particular keyboard technique of Bach to his vocal writing style and how he, the, his text-driven cantata writing style? I mean, the, the cantatas, the text drives everything that the music yeah. expresses. And here, we're learning that the instrumental music is almost vocal in terms of speech or phrase, almost rhetorical. Is there a connection there? I wonder. I mean, certainly the the music is abstract on its own, but the specific little utterances, to use Forkel's analogy about it being like enunciation, about like speech, the little utterances that we hear on the harpsichord need to be delivered as if they're pieces of a sentence. The fugue subject needs to be delivered as if it is a full sentence with a full stop at the end. The entire thing needs to be delivered as an oration that's has an interesting point and has an interesting meaning and has a finality to the end of it that makes you want to stand up and clap because it was a good speech, right? Mm -hmm. So in many ways, it's an abstraction of the concept of declamation in the sense of, of speech giving oration, right? Like doing this, this music 
a piece like this, a fugue for the harpsichord, is a sort of an abstraction of that. Yeah, it's not really, I guess, as much like writing vocal music as it is like presenting an, an argument. Yeah. But removing completely the actual content of the argument and instead just focusing on the general flow of the rhetoric, ups and downs and parts that are accented and parts that are not. Yeah. And we've all heard good and bad speakers in our lives. And I think the best speakers understand rhetorical devices better, maybe even than the point they're making. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more emotional. It's like, if it's a really good speaker, they know how to, and I'm not doing a great job at this because I'm not a an orator, but they know how to do a sentence and get to a point and get to a, a climactic point in the sentence where you're really listening for this word to happen. And then they get you there and then it slows down a little to the end or whatever. You know, it, it's actually like a musical phrase, right? There are many varieties of, of phrase pacing that, that can be employed. Right. So the little rhetorical devices that he employs on these fugue subjects are the same. They wind up to a point. Usually they fall down. They have a neat ending. They are repeated, but in a different pitch, and they are expounded upon. This may be the most specific thing to Baroque fugal style that makes them the most like debate club. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like in the sense of that it's an abstraction of a, of a speech. Is that Baroque music, Baroque fugue, and the way that it develops and the way that those little things develop is like if you are trying to make a point to somebody and you... You're continuing to talk about that subject and showing different examples of how that subject relates to the world or whatever, however you're making your point. I think that is a lot more like Baroque music than, let's say, vocal Renaissance music before, which was, which didn't have that level of development of the material that was as formalized as in the Baroque era. Yep, there is a term for this, sort of a music theory term. It's Fortspinnung. It's the general idea that's used so often in Baroque music, where you present your idea and then you continuously develop something as it goes without too much stopping. Mm. And it goes and goes and goes. And then finally, it has to end. So actually the ending has to sort of put the brakes on. Mm. And that's the least, I think that's the least organic thing about Baroque music is that it just has to stop eventually. And sometimes that that ending can be very satisfying in terms of the way it slows down powerfully or fades away delicately. Some of the endings of Baroque pieces are incredibly powerful. The Handel's Messiah has some great endings, the way they just have a few seconds of openness at the end. So this this idea is very Baroque. Right, and Forkel's point is like, if you don't know how to speak this language, if you don't know how to say these things well, then you can play all the notes correctly if you want to, but that doesn't make you a good player. A person may possess all these advantages and yet be a very indifferent performer on the clavier, Forkel says, in the same manner as a man may have a very clear and fine pronunciation, and yet be a bad declaimer or orator. To be an able performer, many other qualities are necessary, which Bach likewise possessed in the highest perfection. Looking at this fugue subject, what I really like about it, and I think this is played very well, again, here by Christine Schornsheim, the declamatory nature of what you hear at the beginning with a full harpsichord sound, octaves on, 
couplers on, right? So we hear these notes in doubled octaves. What you get is kind of an interesting little fugue subject here that starts out very simple with long notes. And it starts like it's going to lay out a major triad, but then it kind of becomes the the minor two triad, the triad of C sharp minor. So you get B, D sharp, but not F sharp. Dun, 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 dun. Now you have a C sharp minor chord. But then we get to reach the top of the scale. Dun, dun, at the top. Dun, 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 dun. Then it continues, and then the answer comes in as it is wont to do. But then my favorite thing is how the answer is full of notes that land on the offbeat, which then scrape against, in an unusual dissonance, the note that's happening in the main answer. Especially when it's one step apart, that's what I really like. Sometimes it's even a half step, which is the smallest amount of space you can have on a keyboard instrument, and really on, of course, music of this style. And that feeling of suspension through the middle of the bar. So it's like da 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 da. And so that bum bum bum. Those long notes are like absolutely syncopated sounding, right? They they are a strong note on a weak beat. They're an accent on a weak beat. And those accents that happen on weak beats, or at least something that at least ties over a measure or the middle of a measure, happen on more measures in this piece than they don't. I was starting to count. And then I stopped counting because I realized it was most of the entire piece. I think there's only maybe 15 measures or something of a fugue that is, let's see, a little over 100 measures long. I think there are about 15, and most of those are right at the beginning. Measures that don't have some kind of suspension across the middle of the bar or into the next bar. That's really remarkable. Like, he didn't have to do that, but it gives the piece a real interesting drive and to come back to the abstraction of speech sort of conversation that we were having earlier I think that just gives your speech a real sense of connection I mean it'd be like it's almost like somebody speaking one long run-on sentence but stringing their points together in a compelling way and not stopping for for a breath you know or not stopping to make some other point or to give the other person a chance to weigh in and on the musical score the ties that go from the note in these modern editions. The ties that go from the first note to the second note over a bar line sort of look like they're kind of holding it all together too. Mm-hmm. They're like, the tie on the score is like not having a comma in a sentence, if that makes sense. It's like that, it's like that sentence continuing without that break. Yeah. Now, here is the fugue opening of fugue number 23 in B major from Well-Tempered Clavier, book two. If this introduction to a musical moment 
has inspired you to hear the rest of this performance, which includes the prelude, before the fugue. Please see the link in the episode description to see this performance by the Netherlands Bach Society, featuring Christine Schoensheim. Do you want to hear our new episodes as they are released? Yes, me too. (laughs) Find them on your podcast app and hit subscribe. We think that you can find it on everything that there is. Yeah, every podcast service. If there's one that you can't find us on, please let us know. Okay, Christian, what's up for next week? Next week, we have a listener request for a striking cantata opening, BWV 105. Herr, gehe nicht ins Gericht. Until next time, enjoy those moments. Thank you.